Yo, what's going on, my fellow revelers? Welcome back to another episode of the Festi Hub Podcast. I'm your host, Manny, aka Frisky a Hug. And today's episode, we have Devin. He's the owner, creator, founder of EDM Maniac, which is a was actually starting off as a publication company, and it's grown to be so much more. I mean, they do events now they do collaborations promos uh they have a whole content creator team they uh you know on top of being a publication company so we get to learn a lot about Devin. we get to learn a lot about um you know his company what the vision was what was the inspiration between everything that's happening and everything that's going on uh we do spill a little bit of tea of some of the current events going on um, i know there's been some events getting canceled so we kind of talk about that and our opinion on you know what's really going on behind those kind of things um but that's uh that's gonna be our guest for this week uh as of for life updates and stuff like that uh to on thursday i'm gonna be going to marada he's playing over at celine in orlando i don't know if i'm gonna be seeing marada on friday um so i guess the episode the day the episode comes out i don't know if I know that my friend Lace is going to be there. She's opening for him. So that'd be really great to see. But I don't know if I could do the drive from Orlando to Tampa and then back. Um, so we'll see. I don't think so, though. And then on Saturday, I will be seeing Elenium at the Vanguard. So that means, no, I will not be at Interstellar. Um, for those of you already asking, I've already gotten a couple of DMs about that. Uh And then as for, like, events and stuff, I don't really have anything in the shortcomings. Um. Just a couple like events here and there. So some local stuff here in Florida. Um, but as for festivals, I have Imagine, Lost Lands. I'm thinking about doing Breakaway. Um, I don't know though. Uh, and then I think I'm going to be going to Denver like next week um, for Corbin Michael's birthday. If you guys ever seen like my vlogs, he's uh, the kid that DJs. I think he's like turning 15, 15 or 16. I think it's 15. I think he's 15 um, next week. But uh, yeah, I hope you guys uh, enjoy this episode um, and thank you for watching. All right. So I'd like to welcome Devin, <laughs> the founder of EDM Maniac to the podcast. Hey, man. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Happy to be here. I know we had some like running around some scheduling, but you're, I you're a busy it. man. This man, because <laughs> he emails me. He's like, hey, I can't make it. I'm, I'm in Ibiza right now. Uh, hey, I can't make it. I'm in Tomorrowland right now. Okay. <laughs> okay. I was telling, I was telling one of my, um, I was telling one of my friends, I'm like, yeah, I'm trying to get Devin on the podcast, but every single time he emails me back, like, hey, sorry, I'm just like, you know, having dinner with royalty, sorry. <laughs> oh man, it was quite the trip though. I mean, it was so fun. Um, but yeah, thanks for having me. We'll talk about the trip. Um, yeah, so my name is Devin. I'm the founder of Edia Maniac. I started the company. This is actually our 10th year. So in October, uh, it will be, oh, I should have grabbed a drink. I can think of that. No, no. Um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I usually am like the first to like have a drink next to me. It, um, it, it, okay. So like I have like, and, and some people might know this, but I have like social anxiety. So like actually talking to people, even though I'm in the realm of influencing and, and this community and stuff like that, um, you know, sometimes when I'm too sober i tend to like get in my own head so this just helps mm. a little bit um believe it yeah. or not i'm actually i'm actually the same way um yeah i i i know exactly what that feeling is like after going to all these festivals and all mm. that stuff like i still have a bit of social anxiety which is so weird because like everything we do is so forward facing um 
but yeah, it's, it's, it's cool. Anyway, happy to be here. It's our 10 year anniversary. Uh, started Edia Maniac about August or sorry, October of mm. 2012. Wow. Y'all been um, here for a while. It's been a minute. It's, <laughs> it's been a very long, long minute, but probably the best thing I ever have done with my life. Um, and yeah, I started Edia Maniac because I moved to Los Angeles, which is kind of where I live right now, but I'm kind of like bouncing all over. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't know anyone. So I started going to all these parties and I was like, wait a minute, like I really want to like meet more people and I want to show my love for the music. Mm-hmm. And I had started listening to dance music in like 20, 2009, maybe. Oh, wow. Uh, <laughs> okay, hold yeah. on. Uh, don't mind me asking, <laughs> but how old are you? <laughs> all right. I don't. All right. So how old do you think I look? <laughs> Well, you're. Uh, if you started at 2012, <laughs> um, math is not my strong. I, I, I would say you're 30. I'll take 30. Uh, <laughs> I just, <laughs> I, <laughs> uh, I'll take 30 any day. I just turned 30, 34 uh, in April of this year. Oh, those numbers! I hate being in my. Th- oh, I love being in my 30s, but I hate being in my 30s. You know, it's a love hate relationship with my age. Why? Because it's just like. You know, sometimes you feel like you're moving so fast and there's no time to slow down. And I feel Mm. like by the time you reach 40, I hope to be where I thought I was going to be when I was 30. You know what I mean? Like, I feel so behind. I'm like, oh, God, Uh, so much much to do. Benchmarks keep changing for sure. Uh, It's all good, though. I feel like the 30s are probably like I'm enjoying my 30s personally. Mm. It's like nice to like not like be worrying about certain things. And like, Mm. I feel like the older you get like the more you have an appreciation for life and and music especially this culture too so i do the same thing as i did when i was in my 20s it's just i have more money and more connections (laughs) like nothing changes guys (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean having money is uh, is is nice for sure but doesn't always bring you the most happiness but brings me um, a lot of happiness Dude, for me, it's more money, more problems. You'll never see me smile harder if you had one of those like money guns and you start shooting me with it. You're like, oh fuck. <laughs> I'm so happy. Uh, that's too funny. I mean, I I'd probably be the same way, uh, honestly. Um but yeah, so I moved to LA. I didn't know a lot of people, and I kind of just wanted a platform to like share my love for the music. And then uh one day I was in the shower. I literally it's one of those shower, shower thoughts. thoughts <laughs> I literally take showers sometimes to like get get it together in my head. Yeah, like it, there's something about just taking a shower to like, okay, this is what I got to do. This is what needs to be done. It's it's like do it, you it ever just me. do you ever just sit down on the tub and just sit and just oh um, and and cry? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, it's such a thirties thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's thirties. Um. But yeah, I mean, I was in a shower and I was like, man, all right, so if I start something, what am I going to call it, right? And I was like, throwing out all these names and EDM at the time was like becoming a thing in America. And mm-hmm. so like the, ter- the term EDM was a thing. So I was like, all right, we're going to call it EDM something. There were some other EDM things. And at the, end of, at the end of the shower, I was like, you know what? I'm really enthusiastic about this. I love this. I'm passionate about it. I'm a maniac. So I was like, all right, we're going to call it EDM maniac. And that's, that's kind of how that happened. But like, at the end of the day, I think we're more like EDM enthusiasts than we mm-hmm. are like EDM, like, I don't know, like we work in a very professional world and professional environment. But I think at the end of the day, we like to consider ourselves enthusiasts mm-hmm. rather than like experts. Cause like we're myself, the whole team, we're all so passionate about dance music that it's like, we don't want 
and I don't want to lose kind of the uh, the excitement that I have for the music and the culture by like getting uh, too political about certain things yeah, and getting too, or uh, make it all about business, you know, exactly. And get jaded. And mm -hmm. like, that's like my number one fear. That's why I try not to really like, we're very much involved in the music industry, obviously, but I kind of like keep myself a little bit further away from it to yeah. kind of shield myself from a lot of the politics and drama in the, I, in, I, in the industry. I, I had a, a situation, uh, where my friend, cause like, I just, um, I just, brought in one of my closest friends uh to the music scene and you know i'm like showing him all these things and he's like sending me flyers like whoa like the edc orlando lineup is insane it's, and i'm just like yeah man like i can't wait he goes why are we not in the same level what is going on I'm like, <laughs> like you know it's it's like oh you know i want so like where where did that stop? Where did I stop being so excited to see a lineup? You know, I mean, that's and then, like I was thinking about it to myself. I'm like, that's just like a really sad thing that I guess I'm going through where it's like maybe I'm doing too much festival going and I need to just mm. simmer down and just do more, more of the background. Maybe just attend. Maybe put the oh. camera down, put the notepad down, just go, you know, it's hard. It it's is hard. hard because every <laughs> every festival is a lost opportunity for me. You know, what I mean, like. I I know very well. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I feel you. But it's always like, you know, and, and that, that's so interesting that you brought that point because like there's this conversation right now about like content creators. Are they ruining festivals? Are they ruining the culture? That mm -hmm. sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And um, it's, it's, it's an interesting line, right? So it's like we have people that are there to share their experience, uh, you know, like take cool videos, yeah. but then are they there just for that purpose? Right. So like, are yeah. they, are, you know, I feel like there's, there's a line, right. So it's like, yeah. you, you want to go there, you want to share your experience. You know, the reason why we go to all these festivals and do all these report cards, share the experience, get people excited about the festival. Yeah. Um, but then also like enjoy the festival at the same time. Yeah. Like if your sole purpose is to go somewhere to take photos and to like try to get an, a viral video, then that that I think causes some some friction and, and like you said culture. there's a there's a line and there really is because some of these content creators such as myself were contracted to make videos like that like the only mm -hmm. reason I even have an all access pass is because I promise to do a vlog a podcast like four a TikToks lot. and like I'm constantly like doing it and then like I promise to do a meetup I promise to do giveaways I did I promise this and this and this right and I'm like where is the me time right because like this is so it, it's hard because like some of us are more than just the Instagram content creators and the TikTok content creators. Some of us have like a real like industry passion for this. We're like, you know, like when I go there, I, I'm creating like three YouTube videos. You know what I mean? Like it's not a and YouTube videos are not easy. They're not easy the at all. For anyone who's watching, uh it may seem like it's uh it's it's easy, but it's so not easy. And I'll tell you someone I went to film mm -hmm. school. I studied post-production film editing. Where I at? know how much it takes. I went to the school of visual arts in New York. Okay. Like a small private art school. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's not in it's not NYU, but it's, <laughs> it's a smaller school. Um, it costs just as much as NYU. I'm still paying for it. Um, but no way. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, you know, editing a film for or editing just like thirty minutes for something for YouTube. I don't. Mm -hmm. It's it's hard. It's not. It's not something that you like can magically put together. You got to get the sound right. Get the color right. You got to get the shots right. Like it's. It's way more than it looks. So I have so much respect for people that that put stuff on YouTube because it's it's, and it's you know it's really hard to monetize on YouTube as well. So it's like yeah. you put so much time into things and it's like, 
maybe the algorithm will pick it up. Maybe yeah. it won't, you know, you have people that like have millions and millions of followers that don't even earn that much on videos. When you think about how much time and energy goes yeah. into it. Um, so props to you. There is something, however, um, I'm looking into in the company we're looking into, uh, is like YouTube shorts, mm -hmm. which I think are kind of like the new kind of wave of like the short form digestible media that doesn't require it as intense, like editing. Um, it's kind of like TikTok style. Yeah, yeah. Um, I know of it. Um, but from what I'm gathered, it gets a lot of views, but it doesn't get a lot of mm -hmm. like subscribers. So no, nothing concrete. It's just very really? temporary view. Yeah, like I know a few people who like do a lot of shorts and they get a lot of views, but like I never see their followers go up. It's just a constant. It's just like interesting. So I don't know how the algorithm works for that. You know what I mean? So it's. As far as I know, is like Google, uh, YouTube is like the second largest SEO mm -hmm. engine, and I feel like from what I've read and from videos that I've seen, that it it increases visibility in search engines like in mm -hmm. Google. Um, but then it comes down to like the quality of the content, yeah. right? You really have to like figure out like for me to hit follow on Instagram or mm -hmm. subscribe on YouTube, there's got, it takes a lot. So it really has to be like, you really got to grab people. The issue with uh, YouTube that I have, right. Is when I post a link, maybe it's cause I'm on Android. Maybe I got to switch. Um, but like, I, <laughs> I want to the green my, bubble. I'm like, I'm that guy. Dude, people avoid me. <laughs> I'm that guy at the party. People try to avoid, um, <laughs> you know, I was like, Oh, we got to go to Instagram chat. Um, so like, I put my link on there for YouTube, right? And when they yeah. click on it, it goes to their browser, not the app. So mm -hmm. when you go to your browser, you're not logged in. At least I'm not logged in. So I have to log in uh, every right. time. So how can I expect people to subscribe to me if they have to keep logging in every single time? Dude, I'm sorry, man. If you're telling me I have to do three steps before I can even click that button, I'm just not doing not it. I'm not going to do it. I'm just yeah. going to view your video it's... the way it is and to, good luck to you. Yeah. Yeah. So how do you think, what's the solution? So I, I mean, the solution is that the software developers need to, you know, get their shit together. But what I've been doing yeah. is I'm like, hey, just type in my name, type in my name mm. on YouTube and 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 subscribe. So I have to do a direct like, like, hey, can you guys do this? Um, Two steps versus like three, three or five. Four. Yeah. Yeah. And like, you know, th that's got me a, a, like I'm right now I'm at like a thousand subscribers, which is nice. But I've been that's doing good. But I've been on YouTube for years, years, years. Like, you know, really. I'm, and I have multiple channels, so obviously I've switched channels and I switched like career paths. But like EDM, I think started around like 2017, 2018 for me. Um, so like a thousand for that long, it's like, dude, like you have to have a lot of motivation to just keep going. I have 150 videos on YouTube. <laughs> That's insane. Like I'm motivated. I'm do there. You, it's just not. <laughs> do you sleep at night? <laughs> I, I do now because I just quit my job, but. <laughs> <laughs> You, when TikTok came out, I wasn't sleeping. TikTok at the beginning did consume my life because it's one of those things yeah. where like, if you don't catch it at the beginning, you're going to lose it, right? And like now we're, yeah. we're now what we're seeing is the the dip on TikTok. So if you didn't make yeah. your followers at the beginning when it was a first a thing, you're going to have a hard time doing it now. But I mean, people were climbing up to like 100K, 200K, 300K, 400K at the beginning. You know, After that a couple of videos too. Yeah. It wasn't and, like, yeah. You try doing it now, man, you're going to be climbing very slowly to get like a couple thousand. And it's just the algorithm, honestly. And people aren't at yeah. home and sick and, you know, it's that new trend. Yeah, not – oh, it's COVID, right? Yeah, that's when like TikTok was becoming like a real thing, um, which was made perfect sense because people were at home and they had all this time to just scroll through TikTok and make videos. What did you guys do during COVID? How was your company uh, revolving around that scenario? <sighs> 
it was actually our best year ever, uh, believe it or not. <laughs> Let's get another. No. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not. I mean, we have like this monkey pox thing, but we'll see. Um, uh, yeah, it was our best year ever. We were the third company to produce a drive-in event in the world. Uh, so we did two drive-in events in San, Diego, San Antonio, Texas. I remember that. Um, yeah. So we were the third one to do it. I think... Um, Carnage and some other company was doing it, did one first mm-hmm. um, in the States, but Germany actually did it first. Yep, um, we I saw remember. that and we were like, let's do it. So we Yeah, they did the pods, got... I believe, right? Yeah, it was yeah. actually, I kind of missed the pods a little bit because <laughs> like you have like your own personal space and like yeah. you could like go in your car and like sleep. Well, people like us, and... we love our space. You know what I mean? It's like the 30 thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, and, and, and I think it's just because like, we're 30, but also because like we're, we've been doing this for a while to the point where like, yeah. we don't want to be in the center of the crowd. I don't want to be pushed. I don't want to be shoved. I don't want drinks yeah. spilled on me. I like, I, this is a really nice outfit. I don't want to get ruined. Like, you know, <laughs> like, I feel uh, it. I feel it. Um, yeah, it was, a, it was a good year. We did two of those. Um, we signed an agreement with Insomniac to like do like live streams. We're producing, mm-hmm. we're pumping out like live streams every week. Um, so it actually was a very, a very good year for us because it allowed us to like, allowed us to think differently to like mm-hmm. do all these really different things versus like what we're just so used to doing. Um, so I think like COVID, you know, I think the positive for mm-hmm. us was that we were, we were very busy. We also did shows in Austin, Texas, like socially distant shows. Uh, we booked Green Velvet, Desert Hearts, Gorgon City. We booked all these big DJs. Texas was open at the time, so we weren't doing anything illegal. Yeah. Um. And I like, mean, you know, oh, illegal. <laughs> <laughs> we were. We. I mean, we were doing uh, what we could to survive as a business yeah. and making making sure everyone was safe. A lot of people decided not to go that route and just kind of uh, step back a bit. But like, yeah. we we really felt like it was important to keep the music going for people, uh, whether yeah. it's through live streams, driving events, small in-person shows, open, open air shows. Yeah. Um, did so- you ever get backlash for, um, okay. So this is the, some of the, so I was helping some of my friends do their own driving shows over in Colorado. Right. Some of the yeah. backlash that my friends got was that, you know, even though you had your pods, people were moving up and creating like, like, you know, their own little section, like of like a hundred people, like up in the front. Did you ever encounter that in any of your events? uh we did have specific areas where people could reserve bigger spots Mm -hmm. at the front to do that um but for the most part i was actually really shocked and really happy that people were very cognizant of everyone around them Uh, so we never had any issues and we actually had people walking around up and down the aisles Mm -hmm. to make sure people were staying in their pods um so no, we never really encountered it but a lot of people are just different man they they don't give a fuck I think they're just too high. I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> Where's my pod? <laughs> uh, no, I love I love Colorado yeah, and everyone there. I think um, it was fun. Yeah, it was it was a good time. So it was a great year for us, and here we are a couple years later, and uh, now on the other side of things. And I think those those years during COVID really helped us really kind of reposition mm-hmm. ourselves and decide what we want to do with the company and the brand. And it was it was. It was shitty at first, obviously, mm-hmm. but I think we made the most of it. And I think those were some of our best years ever. Actually. I want to know about like your tipping points of like your of your company, right? Like what was the timeline of your company's evolution, right? Well, you started at almost like a it was like a community based brand at first, right? And then or mm-hmm. and then and then how was that transition? Like, can you talk about the evolution of your company? 
Yeah, it's really interesting. So we started as a publication, right? So, okay. but like, if, even if we go back, like if we pull it back a little mm. bit more before Edia Maniac, like I was doing warehouse parties in LA. Like, My I man. <laughs> I mean, you know, during illegal warehouse parties, like left and right. Um, and I had just moved to LA and I was like starting to like meet all these people. And I was like, let's fucking do it. Don't you um, miss it though? Don't you miss the underground like warehouse things? Dude. We have plenty in LA. There's lots of house and techno ones. Yeah. Um, but for like EDM and and it was super ravey. Like these yeah. are like rave. It's like candy kids. <laughs> I like, remember. Rave. Um, but yeah, we so before EDM Maniac, I was doing that. So like the ethos was always like bringing people together, uh, sharing our experiences. There was always like this events arm uh, to EDM Maniac. But then we like kind of pivoted to like focusing on the publication, growing that side. Um and then over the years, we kind of like dived into a, a bunch of different areas. And so now we have, you know, now we, we, we're kind of a little bit of everything, mm-hmm. I like to think. Uh, we have different verticals, like we have an events vertical, we have Ediomaniac Presents, we have uh, the publication, we have like a marketing media agency. Um, we've kind of evolved into all of those things. But I think the tipping point was like only a couple of years ago, like when did we decide like, you know, in 2020 when COVID, mm-hmm. like did we decide, hey, we have to actually branch out and we have to do different things. Like mm-hmm. we can't just stay as a publication. We have to like find different ways to monetize. We had teams that I had to pay. I mean, it's kind of like we had to make that decision. And I think since then, and this is why I think COVID was good for us. Since then, we were able to have these different verticals and have different revenue streams so i guess like covid really was that tipping point where we're like we really got to diversify what we're offering yeah just like open up your mind to different ideas thinking outside the box and then in in terms Mm -hmm. that now we go back to normalcy be like wait why stop that like (laughs) exactly it's a good thing you know it's a great thing and i think it's great for the brand and i think you know we don't want to pigeonhole ourselves into one thing which i feel like we were Mm -hmm. kind of doing at one point where we are very much known as a publication and like, which is great and everything, but I think there's just so much more that we can offer the community. So like, I'd rather not have us be pigeonholed, rather us be known for doing different things. Yeah, but I'm also, it's really smart to also just take it one step at a time. I think a lot of people try to like jump the gun and they're like, oh, oh let's yeah. do all of it. And like, whoa, simmer down for a second. Like, like there are people who've been doing this for 10 years who are barely stepping out, right? And like, you're over here at like your <sighs> three year mark going like, let's go guns blazing. Like, whoa, like. Yeah, I mean, I think any advice I could give people like that is like, well, I think everyone has that like fiery burning desire to like, go crazy and and do all do different things you really want to find one thing you're good at and just stick with that first Mm -hmm. Uh, like you really want to create a name and a brand for yourself when you're really good at one thing right at the beginning and then once people know that you're good at one thing and your name is out there and your brand is out there then you can start doing other things but you got to build trust in the community and you have to like really kind of be good at one thing at first and then you know we've seen it (laughs) we've seen time and time like i always use like fire festival as an example like oh yeah let's just throw a music festival in the bahamas really not that easy you can't just just because you have a lot of money doesn't mean you can really uh execute things like i mean did you you see that the the pollen stuff going on right now (laughs) (laughs) the elephant in the room um yeah i mean (laughs) what is your opinion on that (laughs) um personally i you know i never 
and this kind of like, you know, goes back to like who we choose to work with, who we mm. choose not to work with. I remember like Fire Festival reached out to us. I have the email. No like, hey, way. To- <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> We'd love to like market. We want receipts. Love- <laughs> we'll pull up the receipts. Um, yeah, I definitely saved those emails. It's like, you know, they, they reached out. They're like, hey, we'd love for you to be a marketing partner. We've got these DJs, blah, blah. We think it's going to be really great. Dude, my mind is sit- blown right now. I can't think right now. <laughs> like, I'm, after this podcast, I'm going to go to my roommates and I'm going to tell them because, like, man, that's so funny. <laughs> it's really, it's, I mean, I think I used the best judgment. Something didn't seem right. So I'm, uh-huh. I'm glad I, like, listened to my inner self, which is a huge part of, like, owning any business. I think you really have to listen to yourself and listen to your gut and, like, with that, like, I was like, something is just like, this seems way too good to be true. It's, it's, it, it, I'm glad I listened to my gut. And obviously we saw it happen. Um, similar thing with Pollen, there were some opportunities there. And like, I never really, it never really made sense to me, yeah. you know, like it kind of like, it kind of grew really quickly. And like, mm-hmm. they were all of a sudden working with all these brands that I'm very familiar with. And yeah. I was wondering like what the relationship was and, it just didn't really seem um, ethical, um, in, in my uh, my opinion, and I think that's kind of why one of the CEO the CEO resigned or something because like there were some there they have a lot of ethics issues yeah. to say the least. Um, but I think you know when you look at companies like that that kind of like I don't know they have a shit ton of money. That's you know pollen is like backed by taxpayers. Uh, it's like part of a government fund. Oh, what the just, hell? Yeah, yeah. Just because you have all this money doesn't mean you know, people are going to use it yeah. in, the, in the most smart way. So this is why I kind of like, I always think about like people like that and the kind of like, you know, just try to be more, um, look at the bigger picture and try to understand like, you know, all of all of what the company is offering before we make a decision about whether or not to engage with them. Because um, the last thing we want to be is on the other side of that, right? We mm-hmm. don't want to look like, oh, we're, Oh shit! Idiot Maniac was promoting Fire Festival. Yeah, but, we like, like we trusted you. <laughs> yeah, so it's all about trust, and you always want to make sure you have the tr- you want you want to keep the trust of your audience. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of how I feel about that. But I think you know, in in any sort of like business setting, you really just want to listen to your gut. And I know it sounds so cheesy, but every time I've done that, I haven't I haven't messed up. So. Listen to your gut and be. Um, the, yeah, the common denominator to your success is your gut. <laughs> yeah, it's all you've got. <laughs> <laughs> I was actually working with Paulin, um, and I was hearing things about Paulin, um, you yeah. know, and I think for me, it's like I was just like clouded because like um, like they were always giving me like backstage passes, and like I was like, oh, okay, like I'll work for you still. <laughs> and they're yeah. like, you know, but people were t- saying all these things, and then eventually I just stopped like working with them and I was like I don't know what's going on like like there's like they're not they're not really like providing me any incentives to continue working mm. with them I don't so I don't really get it um but you know now this whole scandal and like everything's just coming into fruition everything's like wow like um everything's true like you're you're right like Paulin's uh I mean I was at a festival in Mexico this past January that's the one they we're can- talking about yeah it's like they canceled like a day after the festival started. So they're like, uh, there's just some issues, yep. blah, blah. We'll get it going the next day. Um, and then it canceled. And I mean, granted, granted, I did get the full refund. I know a lot of people didn't. I know. So I'm not going to, you know, speak to that. But like, I got a refund after like 100 days. Um, and 
ultimately ended up being a free trip. Um, but I, I will say that there were a lot of like concerns with just how they dealt with that situation and mm -hmm. other situations like it that definitely made me lose some faith. Okay, so we're going to backtrack a little bit, and I'm glad I still thought about it because I wanted to bring this up. But you said yeah. we did a collaboration with Insomniac, and I'm like, let's go, let, let's keep talking. So, but <laughs> what? <laughs> let's, let's talk. So, like, did they reach out to you? You reached out to them. Do you, do you have like a relationship with Insomniac? Uh, that's a good question. I mean, we've worked with Insomniac for 10 years, right? Oh, wow. So, okay. like, yeah, I mean, we've. Tell know, me we've about this friendship. <laughs> <laughs> we've definitely worked with them uh for quite some time um and we've built a very close relationship a little fun fact is um you know my first one of my first jobs in la was working at exchange la i was the first social media marketing manager oh, uh there and this was like 10 years ago so we've definitely grown um to knowing each other and we support each other in every way possible and um you know when you know, they're really good about recognizing people in the community that are really kind of doing great things. And, um, you know, we've built a really, a really solid relationship over 10 years. And a lot of it comes down to trust. Um, and, um, you know, when we started the live streams, they started Insomniac TV. Um, you know, we, I know quite a few people there. So we, we started those discussions and we're able to like strike a residency which was really cool um and yeah we work with them on, on multiple levels and i think they're uh they're really good at what they do mm -hmm. um and um there were a lot of things like during covid that they that they did for the community that i think were are really respectable um and uh, a lot of it i think comes down to the you know the people that work at insomniac and and they're just as passionate about dance music so um you know we have a really great relationship and we we try to support each other whenever we can and uh sometimes the projects are a little bit bigger sometimes they're smaller but uh they're definitely good people to to work with and we're thankful for for that relationship i want to talk also about um you know your employees, like who do you have working on the team? Let, let, let's uh, let's gather our thoughts. Um, and can you name the people like that kind of like make EDM uh, Maniac? Of course. Uh, so while I was in Ibiza, <laughs> well, I was in Ibiza. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's it's kind of like you know this was a really huge turning point because mm -hmm. like a lot of things shifted. Uh, we had, I mean we had certain people running, you know, our Instagram the whole time. It was, there's a lot of coordination, but uh, this trip really, I was gone for a month in Europe and nine hours ahead. Right. So like yeah. they're on different time zones and uh, we really made it work, but we have a team of about 15 of about 15 people. Um, and uh, we have our managing editor, Harry, who's been at the company for about six or seven years. Um, and he's, in charge of all of the website content, the editorial coverage, uh, ensuring everything matches the voice of the brand. He manages our whole our whole writing team, our festival coverage team. Uh, we have Esme, who's our lead content specialist. Um, you've probably seen her on Instagram. Yeah. Uh, she's super cool. She started as an intern with us about a year and a half ago, um, and now she's uh, leading our content strategy for social. Um, we have Adriana, who started as an intern as well. 
who uh, leads all of our communications between the publicists, managers. She schedules all my meetings. She's kind of just everything communications. Also started as an intern. Uh, we have a team of graphic designers. We have a team of, we have a, a new brand called Maniac Black, which is house and techno. Uh, so we have a whole team dedicated just to that. Yeah. Uh, we have a bunch of content creators. We have festival coverage writers. We have interns. We have content specialists. We have Twitter people. We have a whole <laughs> amazing group of people that I'm going to meet with in 20 minutes. Hi. Um, <laughs> and I was <laughs> I put I put it I put my Slack on Do Not Disturb. I was like I'm, I'm gonna be busy for next uh, next hour before this <laughs> right. a hour before this. Um, but they're all great people. A lot of them started as interns, so we're in our we just wrapped up our third year internship program. Um, so we've been every year looking for interns to help kind of uh, develop skills for people that are interested in working in the dance music industry and kind of like a professional development program and it's for people that are really just looking to get experience in the industry and it's our third year we just wrapped up uh two or three people from that round we're bringing on as part-time employees or part-time staff members and then uh we're going to start another round of intern uh interns this october um and they last for, the, the program itself lasts for about five or six years but we mm -hmm. use the intern program to basically help us uh find talent and that's like the that's how we hire people's usually through the internship internships. program now how many people do you think you have um i don't know if you ever counted but how many people would you estimate you have on your company uh i think 15 okay all right yeah <laughs> you were saying these names and, and i was like dude like oh my god i'm like i could have cut my own fingers I'm like dude i'm like 40 40 people <laughs> no Maybe one day. I mean, that's yeah. the idea, right? Is yeah, like we exactly. definitely want to scale up, but we definitely uh, have about 15 people. And then by the end of the year, maybe we'll get to 25 with some more interns. And then, um, so you just got back from Tomorrowland, right? Yeah, you were in Ibiza. Yeah. How was that whole trip? How was Tomorrowland? Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, there's so many words. Um, <laughs> the stage was so sick this year. <laughs> right i'm like uh, i'm sitting on my couch you're there in person yeah. we're not the same <laughs> yeah um no i too you know i used to watch tomorrowland on my couch yeah. too right and then i kind of just was like i have to go there um this was actually my fifth year going um and it just it gets better every year the people the production the, the tomorrowland pays attention to all of the details the food is phenomenal um they have michelin star restaurants they have all these eating experiences they have wine bars they have 13 13 14 stages it's in nature it's over water it's it's really it's really a magical thing um and i've been going for five years and i i definitely feel like five every year years. they improve five years yeah. <laughs> oh God. that's okay i'm afraid that's that once when... i start going i'm gonna be like you and i'm gonna go every year <laughs> like yeah i mean you can't miss it right yeah. so that's kind of like the purpose of the trip. So I've been going there five years. Every summer we go to Ibiza right before Tomorrowland, start the trip off right, go to Amsterdam, do all that stuff, and then wrap it up in Ibiza, uh, go back to Ibiza. <laughs> it's crazy. This year I also went to Awakenings, which was like a huge techno festival in the Netherlands. Like it is like Matt, it's like Tomorrowland for techno. Like it's, oh, it's insane. <laughs> uh, it, it was wild. The glamping was great. Uh, uh, yeah, it that's was, the only way I can camp. <laughs> yeah, really. 
again in your 30s you're like i, I cannot do <laughs> uh, but it was amazing it was so fun um definitely check out those festivals if you if, if you want something different i think it's just a really good uh i think europe does it really well and just like on a, a totally different level all right. Well, Devin, I know that you got to get soon uh, to meet up with your team. Um, where yeah. can where can our viewers find you? Yeah, EDManiac.com. We're always open to feedback. There's a little contact form. So if you ever want to drop us a line, we're on Twitter. You can tweet at us at EDManiac. We're on Instagram, EDM underscore Maniac. Uh, we're on Facebook Messenger at EDManiac. Um, yeah, and always feel free to hop in our DMs. Like we're always looking for feedback. If we, if we can do something better, let us know. We're all about it. All right. Well, that was a pleasure uh, having Devin from EDM Maniac on the podcast. Uh, I've actually never met him in person, so that was actually really cool. Um, but yeah, this episode will be on YouTube. If you want to go and watch us, um, I'm kind of setting up like a studio thing here. So like the backdrop is pretty cool. Um, you can see what me and Devin look like. Uh, but this is also available on SoundCloud, Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, uh spotify apple music i just added that on there um you know if, if you wouldn't mind you guys or whatever you stream this on if you can give it a subscribe or a follow a like uh share it with your friends um uh, you know word of mouth would be great just you know send this link to somebody's put it on your story any of that is super helpful um but yeah that was it i hope you guys enjoyed it i hope you guys got a lot out of it and i hope you guys learned something but like I say in every episode, I will catch y'all at the next one. Bye.